Father, right now, this uh, Hurricane Ida is slamming South Louisiana, and we're asking you for mercy. We're asking you, Lord, to be drawing people to yourself as well. This is a time when people, in their desperation, will turn to you. And we ask, Lord, that this would be, as you do bring these birth pains on the earth, that there would be an awakening of conscience, and there would be a real drawing to Christ. We pray in his name. Also, Lord, we pray you'd speak your word to us now. Lord, it make us more like Jesus because we have learned to love the Word of God and to plant it in our hearts and lives and be changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was this guy. Actually, he was just a little boy, and his mother decided to invite several people over for dinner. And as the people came over for dinner and they were seated at the table, the little boy and his mother and father and these guests, their mother leans over to the boy and says, how would you like to say the blessing? And he was kind of nervous. He looked at her and said, I don't know what to say. And she whispered in his ear, just say what you've heard your father say. <laughs> so he bowed his head and said, dear God, why do we have to have these people over here? He just told the truth. It's important to tell the truth. It's important to believe the truth. And today I want to talk to you about the Word of God. Now, in two weeks, we're going to start a series, our fall series, entitled Food for the Soul. And the whole intent of this six-week series and wanting everyone to be in a small group for these six weeks is because we want everyone at Grace Community Church to learn how to be a self-feeder from the Word of God. It's okay to be fed supplementally from a teacher or a pastor or even read out of a commentary or a book, but we need to all become primary primary feeders from the Word of God, self-feeders ourselves, and other kinds of feeding can be supplemental. But we need to learn how to do that. So that'll be our focus here starting in two weeks. Today, I just want to talk to you a little bit about why we believe the Bible is the Word of God. Now, the Bible is truly an amazing and remarkable book. The word Bible actually comes from a Greek term meaning many books because the Bible is actually more of a library than it is a book. It is a Uh, you know, basically a collection of 66 books into one remarkable volume. Now, these books were written by at least 40 authors over a period of around 1,500 years. And these writers came from a wide range of personalities and occupations. In fact, we have writers of our Bible who were prophets, who were shepherds, who were fishermen, Kings, peasants, explorers, builders, soldiers, scribes, theologians, poets, and priests. Yet, despite this enormous diversity of these different writers, there is an incredible unity of subject, of structure, and of spirit. And it's unparalleled in all of literature. And I think this is all just really too fascinating for anyone to easily dismiss about the Bible. The Bible is the most widely translated and widely circulated book in the history of the world. 
And although it's centuries old, it's always relevant. In fact, its quotations and its motifs are found today in our literature, our oratory, our art, our music, our politics, our law, and our ethics. I mean, its influence is inescapable. And so though the Bible has so many incredible things we could say about it, the question I want to answer is, why is it that so many believe it's not just a unique and amazing book, but it is the word of God? Why do billions of people throughout history believe that that book is unique in that it alone is the word of God? Now, I've actually asked that question to hundreds of people, and I've heard all kinds of answers. Some people will say, well, I, I believe it's the word of God simply on the basis of faith. I just accept it by faith. That is the word of God. I've heard others say, I believe it's the word of God because of what I experienced, how it made me feel. Others have said it's, they believe it's the word of God because it has dramatically changed the course of their life. Their life was going one direction. After beginning to read the Bible, their, their life turned around and went the opposite direction. I've heard others say that they believe it's something special about the Bible and even it's the word of God based on its accuracy in history, or you could say its historicity. Some would say they believe it's the word of God because of how remarkable every time there's an archaeological dig, it just proves once again that the Bible is right on target and accurate in everything it teaches. And some I've heard say, I believe it's the word of God because of fulfilled prophecy. There's so many prophecies that were made hundreds of years earlier and then are later fulfilled exactly as they were spoken. In fact, just the other day, I came across three pages of just of, of pages of prophecies on the Messiah that were made in the Old Testament era that came true exactly, exactly accurate about Jesus as the Messiah in the New Testament. In fact, I want to tell you a story about uh, the power of understanding fulfilled prophecy. I was talking to a, a young Jewish girl one time, and I asked her the question. I said, you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? And she said, uh, no, I don't. I said, can I read something to you out of the Bible? And then I held the Bible in a way that she couldn't really see where I was reading from. I said, just, I just want you to listen to something I want to read to you out of the scriptures. And so I began to read out of Isaiah chapter 53. And I held her where she couldn't really tell where I was reading. And I said, listen to this. And I started reading in verse 4. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being, our shalom, fell upon him. And by his scourgings, scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity, iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and, oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. 
Now, as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. So I read her that. I said, who do you think that is describing? She said, Jesus. I said, what do you think I read from the Old Testament or the New Testament? She said, well, the New Testament, of course. And then I opened up to Isaiah 53 and he showed her in the Old Testament what was prophesied about the Messiah that Jesus fulfilled every aspect of. Fulfilled prophecy, and there are hundreds of fulfilled prophecies, again, that give us this affirmation that we have a supernatural book, not just an accurate book, not just an amazing book, but a book that has to be supernatural to have something prophesied and exactly be fulfilled exactly hundreds of times from the Old Testament and then fulfilled in the New Testament. So there are so many good reasons why people believe the Bible is the Word of God. And I've asked this question to hundreds of people in small groups over many, many years. And I've heard all these answers I've just given you. But the answer that I've heard the least, in fact, I think I've heard it once in the last 15 years. Only one person is able to give this answer, which absolutely is the best answer of all. And the reason why I believe the Bible is the Word of God is because Jesus says it is. Now, I want to back up and really explain a little bit about what I mean by this. Well, first of all, Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he is who he says he is, God come in the flesh. And God cannot lie. So whatever he says about the Bible must be true, and he says that the Bible is the word of God. Now, let me just back up again and make sure we can process this, you know, simple, common sense way of thinking. All right, Jesus was seen alive after his death. He was seen alive because he rose from the dead and he's seen by hundreds of witnesses. The resurrected Christ was seen by hundreds of witnesses. His disciples and many others not just saw him, the resurrected Christ, they touched him, they talked with him, they ate with him. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Greek Corinthians, when he's arguing for the physical bodily resurrection from the dead in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, what he does is he points out to them that over 500 people at one time, the same time, 500 people saw the resurrected Christ. At the writing of the first, of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, and at this time he said, and many of them are still alive, go ask them. But here's the kicker. When Jesus was crucified, 
his followers were discouraged and they were depressed. They no longer had confidence at that time, right after he's crucified, they no longer had confidence that he was the Messiah of God. And so they dispersed and they ended up in hiding. And the Jesus movement right after he died had all but stopped in its tracks. And then after just a short period of time, just three days and shortly afterward, we see these same people who were fearful and depressed and in hiding. We see them abandoning their occupations. We see them regathering and committing themselves to spreading a very specific message. And that message was that Jesus Christ was the Messiah of God who died on the cross, then returned to life and was seen alive by them. They saw him. And they're willing to spend the rest of their lives. Think about this. They were then willing to spend the rest of their lives proclaiming this without any payoff, really, in it, from a human point of view. They faced hardship during their life. They often went without food. They slept exposed to the elements. They were often ridiculed, beaten, imprisoned. And finally, most of them were executed in torturous ways. All for what? All for just good intentions? No, because they were convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that they had seen Jesus Christ alive from the dead. Now, some of you are thinking, well, you know, some, there's some Muslims, Muslims who are willing to die for what they believe to be true, so that proves nothing. But I want you to know there's a huge difference between some Muslims who are willing to die for what they believe to be true, but they could be wrong about that belief. They may sincerely believe something is true, as many religious people do from all kinds of religions. You can sincerely believe it's true, but you can't know it for a fact because you did not witness it. However, the apostles were willing to die for something they had seen with their own eyes. They had touched him with their own hands. See, they were in a unique position, not just to believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but to know for sure he did because they saw him. Now, when you've got hundreds of credible people with no ulterior motives, with nothing to gain and a whole lot to lose, who all agree that they all observe something with their own eyes, then you got something that's difficult to explain away. I mean, think about this. People will die for their religious beliefs that they sincerely believe are true. But people will not die for their religious beliefs if they know that those are false. The disciples didn't say they just believed Jesus rose from the dead. They said they witnessed his resurrection. And that's the message they died for. And if they weren't absolutely certain about that, they wouldn't have allowed themselves to be tortured and killed for it. The resurrection really happened. Jesus really rose from the dead. The significance of that is that proves he is who he says he is, God come in the flesh. 
And as God, he cannot lie. So whatever he says about the Bible has to be true. So what does he say about the Bible? Well, Jesus says the Bible is the word of God. First of all, he says of the Old Testament, that is the word of God. Before we look at the verse, I want to tell you, before we look at the verse, what he's saying in this verse. What he's saying basically is this. He's saying not only will, you know, everything the Old Testament says come to pass because it's the word of God, because it's the un- unstoppable word of God and is, and is driven by the Holy Spirit and must come to pass. He, he just says it's not just down to every sentence must be accomplished and fulfilled, not every phrase, not every word, but he goes on to say not, I mean, he says every down to every letter, even the smallest part of a letter, which is in the English language would be a dotting of the I must be fulfilled from the Old Testament. Must because why? Because it's the unstoppable, unbreakable word of God. Here's what he says. Matthew 5, 18. He says, for truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke, even that's even a part of a letter, that's a dotting of the I for us, or stroke shall pass from the law until it is accomplished. Why? Because it's supernatural. It's the word of God. It must be fulfilled. So Jesus affirms, and I could give you a three-page handout in other places Jesus talks about the Old Testament being the word of God. But I want you to have one verse on your front lobes here. He says right here, down to the letter, smallest letter, and even part of a letter. Must, it must be fulfilled. So Jesus affirms the Old Testament is the word of God. Now, it is true that the Old Testament affirms itself to be the word of God. But I want you to know that Jesus, the only one who's ever risen from the dead, proven he is who he says he is, God come in the flesh and God cannot lie. He says the Old Testament is the word of God. All right, what about the New Testament? What Jesus says, we're going to look at where he says this. Before Jesus ascends into heaven, he promises the apostles that the Holy Spirit, after he departs, ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit will come and will bring everything that he's taught them to remembrance supernaturally. And then we'll disclose even more revelation to them and guide them into all the truth so that when they write, they are writing the word of God by the spirit of truth. Here's what he says. John 14, 26. Jesus is talking to the apostles and says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So everything that I've said to you, he's going to supernaturally, the Holy Spirit's going to bring to your remembrance. So when you write, you write accurately. John 16, Jesus hadn't finished here. Verse 12 through 14, he's talking to the apostles again here. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine, and he will disclose it to you. So Jesus says the Holy Spirit of truth is going to come, and he's going to give you more revelation from me. And even about things yet to come. So Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will guide the apostles so that when they write the New Testament It will be the word of God. So again, the New Testament affirms itself to be the word of God. It does. But I want you to know Jesus, the only one who's ever risen from the dead, proven he is who he says he is. God come in the flesh and God cannot lie. 
He says it's the word of God. So there are so many reasons why people believe the Bible is the word of God, but the best reason, the very best reason, is because Jesus says so. The only one who's ever risen from the dead, proven he is who he says he is, God come in the flesh, and God cannot lie. He says the Bible is the word of God. And I, I just, I urge you to get this truth in your spirit. I have spoken about this. I've, I have given the same thing I just gave you in, in many different countries to pastors. And, and hardly anyone's ever been taught the most, the most valuable reason for believing the word of God, the Bible's word of God is because Jesus says so. You know, be convinced of it because of that. Now, all the other ones are good reasons, but that's the best reason. Now, let me say a few more things about what the Bible says about itself. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says this. All Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let me give you the amplified version of, amplified Bible version of that same verse. A little easier to understand. It says this, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, ineffective, exposing, sifting, analyzing, and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. I want to read to you uh, what was in the front of our old family Bible. And I love it. And it says this. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here paradise is restored, heaven is opened, and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine, mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given to you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy contents. This volume is the word of God. I mean, there's no other book like the Bible. No no book can do what this book can do. In fact, let me read another verse to you that says what it does. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout 
in furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be which goes forth from my mouth, God says. It shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter, matter for which I sent it. There's no book like this book. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. Listen to this. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey in the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there's great reward. The word of God is so powerful. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Psalm 119, 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. The word of God has the power to enlighten us. Listen to this, Psalm 119, 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The word of God, the Bible has the power to cleanse. John 15, 3. Jesus said, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. The Word of God has the power to enable us to endure. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. The Bible has the power of protection. Your Word, Psalm 119, 11. Your Word I've treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. I could go on and on and on. The Bible is the Word of God and it has so much power. I want to read you guys something that's, a, that's actually was supposedly from a Peace Corps manual many years ago. Anyone who volunteered to work with the Peace Corps back then, if they're going to the Amazon jungle, this was in their manual. And uh, it tells you this. Part of that manual, it tells them what to do if you're attacked by an anaconda which is the largest snake in the world, grows 35 feet long, 400 pounds. And here's what the manual says. Number one, if you are attacked by an anaconda, do not run. The snake is faster than you are. Number two, lie flat on the ground. Put your arms tight against your sides. Your legs tight against one another. Number three, tuck your chin in. Number four, the snake will come and begin to nudge and climb over your body. Number five, do not panic. Number six, after the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from the feet end. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and ankles. Do not panic. Seven, the snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. Number eight, when the snake has reached your knees slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take your knife and very gently slide it into the side of the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your leg, and then suddenly upwards, rip it, severing the snake's head. Number nine, 
You sure you have a knife? <laughs> Number 10, make sure your knife is sharp. The word of God is a sword. Make sure, make sure you have your sword. And make sure you're sharp with your sword. That's what we're going to do in this series entitled Food for the Soul, starting in two weeks. What we're going to do is we want to help teach everyone who's part of Grace Community Church how to feed yourself from the Word, how to feed your soul, how to fight with this sword, how to receive the power available through this Word of God. We want everyone in our church to become a self-feeder, and you can do it. We can teach you how. You don't want to miss this series. In order for it to really be most profitable, we want everyone to be in one of our small groups. And we need many more hosts. Again, we're not asking anyone, we're not asking you to leave, we're not asking you to teach, we're asking you to host. Our staff has put together DVDs. You can also stream these online, 12 minute sessions each week for these six weeks, where there's something taught that all you do is turn it on, turn the TV on. And listen to what's been taught. And then there's a workbook the staff's put together and done an excellent job that has questions to, to discuss, discussion questions. It's going to be an awesome, awesome series. And I want you just to get a little bit of a taste of it by watching this video. You know, growing up as a child, I saw the Bible just like this, a huge book that can only be read by a person who is qualified or worthy of its interpretation. See, when we go to the Bible and open it up, what we want to do is say, God, what is your objective truth that I need to get from this text? I don't want to bring my own ideas and insert them into the text. It's important to know what we're reading. You want to know the text that you're trying to apply in your life. You want to read it and reread it and read it and reread it. I'm convinced that most believers really do not need more information. What we need the most is transformation. It's so important that you become a self-feeder from the Word of God. Your spiritual transformation depends on it. He's saying we need to stay connected to Jesus if we want to live the fruitful, abundant life that He promises. When you observe, you interpret, and you apply, that's what you're doing. You're practicing God's Word in your life. As we study the Scriptures and apply them to our life, we will bit by bit be transformed into the new creation that God intends for us to be. So my prayer for you is that Holy Spirit would illuminate the Word of God and make it come alive in your heart. The Bible simply does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. So again, we want everyone to be part of one of our small groups. And there's going to, you can go online, gracearlington.com, and you can find out exactly what groups are available, what, when they meet, and you can become part of one. But we need a lot more host. And I believe everyone in this room can host. And you can just simply open your home, open your apartment, and just have invite some neighbors over. It doesn't have to be just church people. We'd prefer you also including neighbors and classmates and co-workers and family and say, come on over for these six weeks. We're going to meet one hour a week. There's going to be snacks and food. We're going to hear a 12-minute video, and then we're going to have a discussion where they can be involved in a discussion. And so, again, we want everyone involved. We need more host. 
And uh, this is going to be an awesome time of learning to be a self-feeder. You'll be so glad you're a part of this. You'll get skills that you'll use the rest of your life. And I tell you, once you start feeding on the Word of God yourself and learning that joy of discovery, that God is actually speaking to you through His Word in bigger and bigger ways, I think you're just ruined for normal life after that. And you want to continue to do that and teach others as well. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us a lamp to our feet, a light for our path. And we pray, oh Lord, I I pray that you'll really help all of us become self-feeders, that we become good students of the Bible who learn how to study it, understand it, and then apply it to our lives. So would you bless us to that end? What I pray is we're dismissed, Lord, too, that you would enable each one of us uh, to really be a blessing, that we would be light that shatters the darkness everywhere we go in our neighborhoods, our schools, and our places of work, places of recreation. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.